0: When he was just 10 years old, he jumped out of a car and started dancing in the middle of an intersection. Well, his mother wondered if he had lost his mind, but this spontaneous display of joy at hearing Michael Jackson emanating from the radio would eventually lead to world tours and the Oscars. I'm Dr. Alan Campbell, and this is Watching America. Watching America all my life. It's panic in America. Oh 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 oh. It's trouble in America. Oh 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 oh. Whoa.
1: From WHRV Norfolk, this is Watching America.
0: Suppose you were a young African American who had grown up in Washington, D.C. and Harlem. You'd gone to school for business and marketing, and moreover had landed a corporate job. But each day, when you had to come back to the office after lunch, you found it incredibly difficult to do so. And moreover, when you did come back, you kept thinking of dance moves. What would you do? Well, if you were Jamel McWilliams, you'd leave and become an American leading choreographer. Yeah. Why? Why? Because of the way it made you feel.
1: Baby, don't make me spell it out for you. All of the feelings that I got for you. Can't be explained, but I can try for you. Yeah, baby, don't make me spell it out for you. You keep on asking me the same questions. Why? And second it all my intentions. Should know by the way I use my compression That you got the answers to my confessions It's like I'm powerful with a little bit of tender An emotional sexual bender Mess me up, yeah, but no one does it better There's nothing better That's just the way you make me feel the way just the way you make feel.
0: It is a great thrill to welcome to watching America Jamel McWilliams. Well, you know that name? Of course you do, particularly if you like the following artists Janelle Monet, John Legend, Alicia Keys, Kelly Rowland, Nick Jonas and Robin Thick. All of these personalities have been associated with his brilliance. He is a choreographer, but he's more than that. He's an actor and an artist in the most broadest term that you could possibly employ. He's also a great guest. Jamel, welcome to Watching America.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. What an intro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's warranted. Before Jamel Thanks. McWilliams was a successful, highly sought after and famous choreographer, he was at one time just his mother's little baby boy. And you grew up, as I understand, in Washington, D.C. What was your home life like?
1: Oh, man. Well, you know, that's it. I a a single mom, um, D.C. I, I just feel like I feel so blessed, I say this so much, like to have the light of my life be my mom. Yes. Uh, she just supported me in, in everything that I wanted to do. I was that kid who. Literally did everything. You think about it, I did it. <laughs> I thought about it, I did it. <laughs> somehow she, and I, I don't ask me how besides the fact that she's superwoman, but somehow she supported everything I wanted to do from, you know, track and field to karate to jumping off of roofs of houses in the neighborhood <laughs> to literally tap dance, acting. Like, literally, you. Know, at one point I was a knight. Who's knighted <laughs> at the age of Ten. Somehow I found myself involved in a community program that did some type of knighting and I, worked, I ended up wound up being the golden knight and I have a book to like show my receipt. So <laughs> that's great. That was it. my upbringing. It was I'm just a, a journeyman. I, I always say that. That's that's me. I just go on the journey of life and just let it flow and take me wherever
0: it takes me. Well Jamel, coming from Britain I have to tell you I have an appreciation for night. so we're we're gonna have a good time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I figured you would. I figured you would. And in America that's just it's 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 so it's just so rare for anyone to even say, especially a, a black kid from the inner city of, of Washington it. D.C. to say, <laughs> "I am a golden knight."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, I love it. Well, you know, we had Duke Ellington and uh, Count Basie, so these titles work. So from now on, they might call yeah. you just they might call you Knight Jamel one day. That might. Be, that hey, might be... listen, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> now you said that you became a knight at the age of ten, but something else significant happened around the age of ten. Uh, One day, the television's flicked on, and you see Janet Jackson on the MTV Awards. It's about 1993, I believe. And she does one of my favorite (laughs) numbers, which I love, and probably I'm going to go out with this today. And that is, that's the way love is, combined with if. Now, you Uh watch this on the television, and you were transfixed. Can you tell us about that moment and what it meant to you?
1: (laughs) Man, um, I was obsessed with, and still am, with Janet Jackson, um, with just, you know, her as a performer, Mm. obsessed with Michael Jackson. You know, I've always just been transfixed with, with entertainers who were all around entertainers. When I was young, you know, most people were saying their idols were you know Michael Jordan or or whomever the president was at the time what have you have you and I was saying Sammy Davis Jr and I was very intentional because he was a singer he was a dancer he was an actor he did it all and so I just had this thing for Janet Jackson who too you know is is every woman and and, and you know she she does it all And beyond the fact that she, beyond the fact of, you know, how talented she is, she's just extra beautiful. (laughs) So um, I just couldn't get past it. And so for her MTV performance, it was probably the performance that sparked for me my desire to actually dance on stage at an award show. Like, and I more specifically, though I was much younger, I more specifically wanted to dance with Janet Jackson I wanted to be that guy yes. who was her partner who could actually touch Janet Jackson
0: wow did your friends understand this i mean, I mean your friends as you've mentioned that you know that their, their their aspirations are to sports figures and and here you want to choreograph productions and and dance and, and what have you were you um, assailed with criticism for that or did they understand or was it a mixed bag
1: you know um i feel like my family always supported supported me and my dreams and, and my aspirations. Um, I would say that the kids in school, you know, dancing wasn't necessarily the most popular thing, um, especially, like, to be a young Black boy um, enjoying the art. You know, that was always criticized as, you know, the, the macho thing to do would be playing sports. And that was also an aspect of me and I, and I played every sport possible. Um, so I had a nice balance, but I definitely can say that I, it wasn't commonly accepted and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of the evolution of the arts now and just the evolution of people, um, now, cause I feel like society definitely accepts men in the arts more, than when I was younger in the, you know, the 90s and the
0: 80s, late 80s. And also, I think, you know, when even back in the day when the NFL was starting to employ things like ballet, people began to get an appreciation for the athleticism and strength required to do the very art that you're involved with.
1: That's so funny that you said that, because I used to note that to my friends and maybe, you know, maybe. And this was more so in like elementary school. So kids are kids, you know what I mean? Either way, like, it doesn't (laughs) matter what it is, you know, kids are kids, but um, one of my, that was, that used to be actually one of my defenses. I used to be like, Bo Jackson uh, took ballet. That's the way he's th- th- the amazing player that he is to today. So you sitting here talking about me and saying I take ballet and this, this, and that, and that, but if you if you thought about it, maybe you'd be a better football player. You know <laughs> what I mean? Maybe yeah. you'd actually be more grateful and better at the thing that you want to be. You know, so again, <laughs> kids for kids, but um, dance is a sport. Dancers are athletes. Like, do you understand what it takes to throw your body night after night. I remember when I was on tour as a dancer um, with Alicia Keys, we were on a world tour, and I think at one point we were on the 120th show, mm. you know what I mean, of yeah. the year. And yeah. if you if you can just imagine you're performing for all these people on a metal stage, right? Yeah. The yes. stages are huge in order to capitalize on all of the space and get this grand production. And as a dancer, your job is to literally entertained from top to bottom I think we were in of the let's just say 17 songs 17 numbers we may have been in like 12 of them you know what I mean so it's it's it's, it's a it requires a lot of athleticism I'll just say that (laughs) you know
0: um, well, yeah, a lot of people but, envy those who are on tour and you know, they say, well, you're in Stockholm and you're in Vienna and you're in Berlin and you're in Bonn and you're in London and what have you. But what they don't realize is that you guys are so exhausted that it's very right. hard to get out during the day and you know, and see the sights and enjoy yourself except for maybe a meal here and there because you're right back at it. I mean, you are so spot on. You are right back at it. If I gave you just like A
1: random day, and let's just say this isn't an off day, right? Because, of course, you know, hopefully on a well-designed tour, after, you know, a few days of work, you at least have one off day, right? And hopefully that's in a city um, that you want to be in or a place that you want to be in and something that's beautiful and you can take in and kind of recuperate. But on a normal day, you're on a tour bus, and from, from doing a performance that was over, at midnight the night before that in, in a in a town or a city that's six hours away, seven hours away, you may pull in at 6.30 a.m., right? Yes. Then you wait yeah. to check in. You check in, then you go upstairs. You may try to get a couple hours of sleep and then, but again, like you said, it's like such a luxury to tour the world doing what you love to do, to be getting paid for it. So you naturally want to see these sites, right? These are things yes. that, like for most of us, we come home to our families and they're like, oh, my God, I've never even been outside of the state, outside of the country. And you've been to so many countries around the world. So naturally, you feel remiss if you don't get out. Yes. But you're yeah. so tired because by 3 o'clock, you have to be headed back to the to the new venue so that you can now do the show and sound check. And then you get, you're getting dressed for the show. Then the show is starting at 8 o'clock. You know what I mean? By midnight, you do this thing all over again. I gotta ask
0: you: Have you ever had that nightmare of you know you go to look at something and you go to the Eiffel Tower, wherever it may be, and uh, or the or you know the Roman Colosseum, and the taxi won't get you back in time, and your heart is pounding? Have you had that tension? Oh
1: my God! Have I had it? I'm the guy that likes to show up to uh, you know I'm again super ambitious, Jamel. I will show up to an airport. One time I showed up to an airport, needed to get somewhere definitely for work, and I was maybe eight minutes before the gate closed. <laughs> Don't ask me how I made it there. I made it. I'm just, you know, all the things come to my mind. Oh, my God, I have a messed up leg or this or that. Somehow I get to the front and I can make it through. But, yes, I am I have been in that situation. But, you know, one of the times that I could recount, I was, we were in Europe, and this was, I think, most recently, um, I can't remember what artist I was with, maybe Lizzo, but we were in <laughs> Europe. I slept on the bus, missed when everyone came around because they, they didn't remember that I was still on the bus because <laughs> I had just jumped back on the tour the night before. And so everybody got off the bus. I can't remember exactly which artist it was, so don't hold me to it being Lizzo. <laughs> okay. uh, but everybody got off the bus. And the bus went and parked at the O2. Yes, the bus <laughs> went and parked at the O2. So you were in London. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so I was in London. But it was like 45 minutes to an hour away from where the actual hotel was. <laughs> yes. And that's where everyone was. And the hotel was across the street from the venue. So if you can imagine, I literally, <laughs> I literally woke up, was lost didn't know where I was. There was no bus driver. There was no one. And I had to be at the venue. Luckily, I wasn't performing, you know, because I probably would have freaked out a little bit more. But yeah, those things happen to me all the time. Um, But that's part of the fun. Like that's part of the like adventure of being on a world tour and just making sure you're not that guy that misses, you know, lobby call. And even if you're running late, you know, as long as you make it, and whether you got to grab on the back of that bus and be like, "Go, oh, I'm here, I'm here."
0: <laughs> it's part of why you join join the circus, right? I mean, for that excitement.
1: Hey, listen, you know, listen. You get one life to live. You got to live it. <laughs> we're artists. We're entertainers. You know, we we are definitely curing a lot of things through through love and through entertainment. But you know, I don't have the responsibility that some of these surgeons have of 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 you know doing open heart surgery. So. You know, I feel like if I live a little bit on the
0: edge, it just makes for an even more enjoyable <laughs> performance. <laughs> it really does. If you're just joining us, indeed, we're talking about being an artist, being a performer and a wonderful person. Of course, I'm speaking of Jamel McWilliams. He has worked with such notables as Janelle Monet, uh, John Legend, Alicia Keys, uh, Robin Thicke, and the aforementioned uh, Lizzo as well. Uh, let me just ask you, when things go wrong and somebody gets sick, when you're on tour, Uh, do you have a certain amount of understudy dances as you do, like, for instance, with dramatic roles? Because if you have 12 people on stage and one person goes out, uh, it's fine if they're on a line dance type thing. But if you're doing integral things where people are spinning and moving and going all over, you know, downstage, upstage, how do you handle that? Oh, man, listen,
1: it is one of the most nerve-wracking. So to be a choreographer and artistic director with tours, you know, you're responsible for the performers, right? You're responsible yes. for making sure the performance goes on each night, each city, and it needs to feel like the first night, right? So right. you can't in any way, shape, or form have any city get anything left. But the reality is most of these budgets don't <laughs> account for understudies. Yeah. So the, the responsibility on the, on the performer, on the dancers, is so great. Um, not to get hurt <laughs> because <laughs> nine out of 10 times you won't have an understudy. You won't have anyone to, to, to be able to fill in for you. And so that's a hole that's missing. So then what happens, cause this is, a, you know, this is the reality of, 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 performing and of us being athletes. People do get hurt. Um, I've gotten hurt before and what ends up happening is the other performers have to just be smart dancers. That's why hopefully If you make it to the level of being a touring dancer, you have enough experience to be able to adjust in the moment. So most recently, one of my Lizzo dancers, they were doing jingle ball and um, this was on a rotating turntable-type stage, Mm -hmm. and there was a gap in between the stage and the turntable. And one of my dancers, she twisted her ankle on, like, the second number, right? And we had a full our performance. So the other dancers had to jump in. Luckily, you know, I had five dancers with them and in, in most of the numbers, only four of them were performing. But the responsibility fell on my other dancer yes. to fill in, even though she wasn't formally prepared to to jump in, but she happened to be a smart dancer during rehearsal. She was learning all of the choreography just because she enjoyed doing the choreography and in the split second of the moment, she just jumped in and did the best she could to fulfill those those spots. You know what I mean? Because yeah, think about it yeah. like this. The dancers um, are oftentimes integrated into the performance with the artist. So the artist is so in the zone. The artist has the in-ears on. They don't really know everything that's going on around them. So they have no idea. So if the artist is used to turning to the left, And someone is passing them a prop and then turning to the right, and someone's taking the prop, they're expecting that to happen, right? And so, this one particular moment that I'm recounting, this dancer was like a a dance captain who had a lot of roles and responsibility within the performance. And luckily, my other dancers were really smart and were able to just fill in so that the artist realized when they turned, when when she turned to the left, more specifically, Lizzo, she turned to the left and it was a different face. She's like, hmm? What happened, but it didn't disrupt the flow of the show. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, and that has happened multiple times. So the goal in those situations is to place yourself in the best situation by by hiring really smart dancers and just praying that nobody gets hurt in the process.
0: Well, I was going to ask you about that because they say that, you know, the, the, the most important thing in many ways for a successful drama is the casting. And so we have, you know, yeah. casting casting people. But you are casting, in a sense, with physicality, but also with wits, with people's minds. How you do how do you discern that when you're auditioning uh, potential members of your company?
1: Oh, man, if you talk to any of my assistants, they're like, uh... Jamel and his casting, <laughs> um, it's a full process for me, but you know, what makes it an in-depth in and involved process is I'm a very spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Um, Alicia Keys actually was one of my first, was one of the first people to expose me to this notion and I've held on to it for my entire career. She, she told me, um, and, and uh, uh, a choreographer that was working with her at the time uh, when we were preparing for the Girl on Fire tour, that she was like, listen, guys, I don't care who's the best dancer. You know, uh-huh. um, I'm not looking for just the best technician. I'm looking for primarily who has the right energy, who is aligned with the messaging, uh-huh. and who is really going to fit into this family. Right. And so yes, from yes. that point forward, it made me realize that it's, it's, it's about purpose over perfection. And there have been core, uh, dancers that I've hired that I could just feel my spirit could tell me that this was the right energy to mm-hmm. be a part. Obviously, they had a certain skill set that was, you know, that qualified them to, to to take have the job. But what what gave them the job bigger than just their skill set is. The energy that they that that they carry within themselves, and I knew that that would be an energy that complements the the process and complements this camp. And so, as I as I select dancers, you know, I spend a lot of time researching. Spend a lot of time, especially if I'm going to put you on a tour with an artist for over a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I yes. need to make sure you're a representative of me, but then outside of that, you're representative of the artist. You know, and, and you know how cancer spread. If there's someone right. who's a cancer and has cancerous energy and toxic energy, you know, a sour taste can just make everything go bad. Right. Um, and so, you know, the goal is to try to try to just really tap into my spirit and really connect with who I spiritually think will energetically um, make the most sense in, in any environment. So well, I spend a lot of time <laughs> in that space.
0: Well, I, I I get that. I mean, I, I follow it. Um, one of the things is that is very clear about you is that faith is an important cardinal part of your life. You were the uh, pastor mm-hmm. of the youth dance ministry at your church in Brooklyn. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you, you bring that sentimentality or mentality or outlook with you on the road and in everything you do, don't you?
1: Oh, absolutely! Like um, you know, for me, prayer is everything. Prayer, you know, I and, and and I say that from from my personal experiences. Like you know, I have been at the top of the career of my career as a dancer and still felt felt unfulfilled. You know, um, yes. and then even there were times, even as an artistic director and choreographer, you know, I had moments of feeling like. You know there was something missing, and oftentimes it was my spiritual connectedness to what I was doing, to myself, to life, to my community. You know, to everything that mm-hmm. was happening. And so those times when I've when I've grounded myself and anchored myself in in more spiritual practices, it just seems like things flow, the sunshine more. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, it I just do. seemed. I just it life just seemed lighter for me, and I was able to get through. So. So I just carry that practice with me and let that lead me into all the rooms that I'm supposed to be in. And because of that, because with that notion, I feel like I'm only in these rooms to be myself and to be my fullest, most authentic self. And that's a part of me. So it's so anyone who works with me knows I pray before we start rehearsals. Um, Oftentimes I pray uh, when the rehearsal is over. Like I said, I pray before my casting. And this is not about um, being religious as much as it's just about tapping into a spiritual perspective that that grounds me in understanding that this is bigger than me and this mm-hmm. is bigger than any individual person this is bigger than any artist that hires me to help bring the visions to life and help you know bring them to their greatest self this is this is a, a god work um in my opinion so absolutely that's how i move forward in everything
0: now before you be actually became a professional choreographer, were you aware mm-hmm. of o- other choreographers? For instance, were you aware that Kat Glover and John Command uh, worked with Prince? Were you aware that Madonna and Pink uh, would work with the Golden Boys? I know that Debbie Allen was a tremendous influence on you. Uh, were you aware of the people who did this professionally?
1: You know, I was not. Um, I And I can tell you, I was not largely because one, I was always outside. And I, <laughs> no, like, seriously, as, as growing up as, as, a, as a young man, I spent more time outside. I didn't really watch much TV or anything. I would catch the, the, the and, and do a lot of research. I, I, I wasn't really in it for that. I mm-hmm. was in it for the feeling that it gave me. Um, I never actually expected to be a choreographer. You know, um, expected to be an artistic director. I just loved to perform. Um, it wasn't until I started pursuing it as as a, a career path that I said, "Wait, I need to actually like understand my history and understand the history." Because at that point, I it then became I internalized it as a part of who I am, and now it becomes my history. Before it was just, it, I I didn't really see it as a career path for me. I always thought that I would just be a businessman who loved to dance, sing, and act. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I never re- realized that I, this would actually be my career path.
0: So when you saw back in the day, um, you know, I mean, we have people who started out years ago and are still going like Tony Basil. She's 76 years old and she's still choreographing yes. and stuff. She's amazing. Uh, Paula Abdul, um, uh, you know, for, for various... Talent search programs, yeah. but um, you know, she was very, very much involved. Her big break came from the Jacksons. I mean, she was an LA Lakers cheerleader, and the Jacksons lifted her out and said, We believe in you. Who was the person, Jamel, who pulled you out and said, I believe in you?
1: Oh, wow, as a choreographer
0: mm-hmm. or a dancer
1: or a dancer. Well, I will say, um, Wow. Um, so here's the thing. Okay, when I was young, uh, <laughs> this is a funny story that I tell. When I was young, I was in the car, myself and my mom, this is was in Washington DC, again around the age of ten, and Michael Jackson came on the radio. And I don't know what jumped inside of me, but I but something jumped inside of me and I we were at a stoplight, a red light, and I, a full intersection and I just jumped out the car and started dancing and doing Michael Jackson's stuff. And my mom is screaming, Boy, get you back in this car. You know, so big <laughs> and you know, I don't know what, what came over me. Course, and you didn't have the promise uh,
0: you didn't have the, the presence of mind to say, Well mama, I'm actually gonna become a millionaire from this
1: <laughs> Right, exactly. Had no idea. She didn't know, I didn't know. We just knew that I was obsessed at that moment or or not, I was possessed <laughs> by the spirit at that moment. Yeah. Um and right after that someone was honking the horn and pulled my mom over and my mom (laughs) thought what's going on you know maybe my her gas tank was open or something Yeah,
0: yeah yeah and then
1: this lady was the was the um head of an academy that was for the arts and she said listen i own an academy your son is a star and i want to put him i want to sponsor him um a full scholarship to be a part of this arts academy and my mom was like uh okay all right now that's what he wants to do
0: we'll have people who would disagree with with us but i see that as divine intervention clearly
1: oh 100 it it, 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 it set me on the path of my life yeah Um, because again like i said at that point i was already like a green belt on my way to almost black belt in karate wow um again so the physicality was there yeah, already there. I was yeah. I did everything. I'm telling you, I was a nature boy. I was outside playing all the time, but I just was also just just innately innately talented with regards to performing. Yes. You know, and at first it was just around the house and then from that point forward it was now in a more structured format, you know what I mean, in yes. D C. Yes. And then that opened me up to being a part of the hip hop dance. Company, uh, showbiz dancers that that I you know I founded. Um, well, I was a part of the founding members of, which then now to this day are still a big dance company, a uh, hip hop dance company in DC. You know, um, at Creative Dance Center, and then that just kind of evolved into setting the, the the blueprint for my life. And I, even though I jumped out of out of the art. For a number of years, thinking that I was going into marketing and management information systems, I was brought right back around to it uh, in my adult years when I went into uh, teaching yes. in the public school system in in New York City. What so, did you teach? All that to say, what, what did I you teach? After school hip hop dance.
0: Oh wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, and then student leadership. Yeah. So like two so two the, very the different call was on your life.
0: The call was, the on your life. was on my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's
1: it. That's yeah. it. That was exactly how it happened. So I, I would say that was like my first moment of like discovery, where someone believed in me. And then once I got into the professional world, I was um, I had a number of, of of people who then said, "Oh, you have something." And then I, you know, joined an agency, and from there, you know, the rest is history. Um, yeah, I think the first artist, the first big artist, to give me an opportunity um, as a choreographer was Alicia Keys. Um, wow, she geez. gave me, for, for her, Spider-Man 3. This was after we were done touring the world, and Spider-Man 3 with her, Pharrell, Kendrick Lamar, Hans Zimmerman. Um, she had me on set for that, to do movement coaching and any type of choreography that she needed and that any of the other guys needed. And then also, like, um, a Givenchy commercial that we did in Paris Yes. One time and yes. then, you know, yeah. I've been blessed, 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 blessed to just work with so many amazing artists that that have just believed in me, believed in my vision, believed in my ability to collaborate with them and, and just trust me. Um, and so it's it's kind of crazy because, again, I never set out to do this, but it's, it's like you said that when the calling is on your life, if you answer it, it just opens up the floodgates and opens up all the doors that you need to open up. Life's good, isn't
0: it? It's exciting. Yourself. Yeah, Life is exciting. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Watching America, and we are having a delightful conversation, talking to Jamel McWilliams. He is a artist, a man of high spirit and insight and love and generosity and discipline as a choreographer. He's worked with such people as oh Nick Jonas, uh, Robin Thicke, Alicia Keys, as he's alluded to, John, John Legend and, and others. Um, let me just say, uh, you know, a lot of people are very familiar with the history of, uh, of various famous Ballet performers, Noriev, Baryshnikov, uh, even modern dance leaders like Martha Graham of New York metropolitan fame and what have you. Uh, We've all seen MGM mashups, you know, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, Eleanor Powell, Ann Miller, but not a lot of people really know an awful lot about African American performers. Um, Most people would pick up perhaps with some vague notion of people like Josephine Baker. Uh, Billboard, Jangles, Robinson. I was so thrilled to hear you mentioned Sammy Davis Jr. But before Sammy Davis Jr. was the Nicholas Brothers, who he admired Mm -hmm. instead coming up, Uh, Gregory Hines and persons of of this Mm -hmm. nature. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr., you were so smack on. Was not just a singer, but he was an actor. He was also a great mimic and uh, impressionist and a dancer. Um, Do you feel yourself speaking in ethereal terms, pulling from the traditions of these great masters of African American performance, which, you know, brought a different, uh, if you will, style to a wide audience. Do you, do you take heart and pride in the fact that you're part of that legacy? I mean, doing what you do right now with, with all the artists you're working with, you are a continuation of that gifting. Wow.
1: I humbly, and I'm not typically lost for words, but I humbly receive that. Um, and I will say, you know, I think it's 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 the mentality and the humility um, in me. I I am so present. I stay so present. Present. You know, I'm such a present moment thinker and and mover. That I've never really, really put myself in the category of them. Mm-hmm. I, I do recognize that you know, as as a as a black man um, who you know can humbly and graciously say I have opened the Grammys. My performances have opened the Grammys. My performances have been on the Grammys. My performances have opened the Oscars, VMAs. Like you know. Uh, I I do know that, that that there have not been a lot who have who who have had the opportunities that I have had um, to display my work and, 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 and the work so but wow, you just kinda you kinda stopped me in my tracks to, for me to just kinda recognize and and acknowledge that I, I possibly in the most humble way could be in the category of, you are. of carrying you are. this that, that, that's... and this
0: lefty. You were the continuation of oh, it.
1: I just admired them so much, and yeah. and and I guess the thought. I just feel like I'm still so new to this, and I have so much to learn and so much to discover. Um, you know, and maybe one day I'll look back and realize that I was already in the space of of, of, of doing this. You know, mm-hmm. um, but wow, thank you so much.
0: Well, um, I mean no, it sincerely. Answer, or, or, or no, I, I have not yeah.
1: really. I've not really digested that, um, but. That is such a
0: compliment. Well, it's sincere. And and it's honest. And and it's absolutely sincere. And I I would ask you to to take that, uh, obviously, to heart and cherish it, because I think those voices I've invoked and mentioned would agree with me regarding what you do. Let's talk about um, the uh, 61st Grammy Awards. And you had uh, Janelle uh, Manet on stage. Mm -hmm. And she's doing this version of You Make Me Feel. Uh, She's holding Mm -hmm. a Stratocaster guitar, and she's silhouetted. Uh, and a, a lot of the playing of the guitar actually reminded me a little bit of everyone's influenced by everyone, you know, everything's derivative of something else. But um, she's playing very much in a style similar to Prince on Kiss, that's, that's high end, yeah. down the neck. Uh, but I, I was looking at the nuances of different things that are done in that performance, uh, quite brilliant, one of which is this, this uh, <laughs> shuffle robotic movement where she goes, da 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 <laughs> and you have the feet just <laughs> shuffling forwards. I mean, that's brilliant. That's genius. Where do these things come? Do you pre-plan it, or do they come in the spur of the moment as you're working with Janelle? Uh, what's the evolution?
1: You know, J- Janelle is one of, my I mean, well first of all she's my sister and we are kindred spirits and we are just so interconnected creatively um and just emotionally and spiritually in general um and personally um but she's so so talented and a lot of a lot of the movement that you know I get to build I build on her and around her mm-hmm. and I use her as directly my
0: muse. I was right? just gonna say so is she lose it sounds like it. Yes.
1: Oh, absolutely. I set the stage. I set i set the room so that it's it's a it's a free flowing um creative vibe. And oftentimes when I'm first coming up with, with movement, it's just she and I. She's she's the consummate professional. She really um she really invests in 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 her craft and really invests in giving her all. So so there are times when for a performance she she and I will be starting a month and a half in advance just to get into a flow so that we're open and allow the, the the authentic creative vibes to move through us you know and then we have time to pivot and readjust if we don't like anything but most times it's whatever was initially in the spirit we we go with so so my job is to as an artistic director and as a movement coach and as a choreographer is to take what the artist does, amplify it and, and, and help pull out their best. Right. And so we'll get there, we'll put on the song and sometimes she and I will just dance. We'll yeah. just move. And I am noting everything. I have this ability to like, almost like I, I'm a robot. So like the robot movement that <laughs> and I just record, mentally record everything. And when she does stuff that inspires me, I'll take that and then I'll either go back and I'll work on it on my own or, or do an iteration of it or just let it be just kind of like something that's, that's already in, you know, in my in my vault to be able to pull from for another moment, you know, um, so that specific step. I think I don't. I don't. I can't even tell you how that specific step came because I'm telling you we just move. Yeah. Then I just get in there and we're just in our creative flow, and it just feels so good to feel so free. We call ourselves free AMFers. and that's who we are <laughs> in those <impactful laughs> moments. And, and what comes comes, and we just we we just try to be so so honest to what the story needs to be told, and I just keep us locked in on that and. That's how these magical moments are created.
0: Well, another magical moment was the 2020 Oscars, the opening. It's a beautiful day in
1: this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty world, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine?
0: She walks down centre, comes off the stage, walks up to Tom Hanks, uh, gives him uh, a a derby, we would say, in England, or or a bowler hat. And uh, did you come up with all of that or was that instinctual, a lot of that? I mean, obviously it's been practiced many, many times, but was Tom Hanks aware that, 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 uh, you know, a a hat was going to be deposited on his head at that point or was that part of the, the, the fun, the electricity?
1: That was part of the electricity. Tom Hanks wasn't aware. I wasn't aware that uh, Janelle was going to put, of course I knew her blocking. We had gone through that and, you know, most of the blocking for the performance, because you have cameras involved, you have lighting involved, you have dancers involved. There are a, a number of things involved in, in, in the details of a performance. So usually those things are already blocked out. Um, but, but, but but something like that moment, which became ah uh, man, you could feel in the room when she put that hat on Tom Hanks' head, and you could see how he took it in and how grateful and gracious he was within that moment. Yes, you could I was so glad he fight. kept
0: it on and didn't remove it. I mean, it, 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 it uh, he played along perfectly.
1: He he loved being a part of it, and she she brought him into this world, and then that brought all of us from. Those of us who were in the room to those of us at home and there was literally like this gasp of like
0: oh like in the room like you could
1: hear it everybody was like oh like you know yeah um, yeah and, and it was so, Chaplin esque yeah, those... too
0: he had it tilted you know it was which is yeah. really cool <laughs> i mean listen
1: those things are that's what i say that's what i'm saying like when you set stuff up to just be right in the spirit the right things just divinely happen and you look up and you're like wow that was perfect. The imperfection made it perfect, you know, um, yeah, and yeah. just a moment. So, again, it's setting the space for the artist to be able to be free and flow because they're getting these downloads in the moment and you just want to craft a performance that leaves them room, that gives them structure but also leaves them room to be the most amazing artist that they've been put on this earth to be.
0: Well, directing and choreographing and being uh, 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 the, the lead for for movement and a live performance is one thing. It's quite another, I imagine, for a music video. The third yeah. single to come from uh, Janelle Monáe's album, which was called Dirty Computer, was a, a track called Pink that's spelled P-Y-N-K. Pink like the
1: inside of your... The doors, crazy pink like the paradise
0: found. And it was uh, shot in the desert. So you have to choreograph around these very exotic costumes and what have you. What's it like being on location in the desert? I don't know if you're in Monument Valley or where it was shot. Uh, it's highly effective. Um, is that a different task for you? And do you take a different approach in choreographing something like that?
1: Um, well, you know, oftentimes when you're choreographing for a music video, um, you get a treatment, right? Mm-hmm. And the storyboard. treatment usually, yeah, treatment storyboard, and it usually has some some level of outline. Um, some some treatments are more detailed; some <laughs> are very very loose, right? And so, yeah, a lot of times, you're like, "Well, we know we want to do something." You know, you, you, there are times when you get a treatment, and it's like, "Well, we want to do something." Not sure what the something is, but this is the song, and then play with some stuff, and you and the director connect, you know, and right. y'all figure it out together. So, in this specific instance with Pink, um, you know, I was I was grateful to do the entire emotion picture, choreograph the entire emotion picture with Janelle, all, all of the um, music videos. But specifically for Pink, what we did was Janelle and I had already. Um, just kind of playing with this song and playing with ideas that we had for vignette, uh-huh. um, and we collaborated. So what would happen is, you know, we're very—I was very much a part of the creative team and the collabor— the creative team—and and we all collaborated on a lot of the treatments and locations and, and all of that with the director, um, because uh, Wonderland uh, Janelle's company is very much involved in all creative aspects, and so. All of us kind of would collaborate. So I would bring to the table like, okay, well, here are some vignettes that that, uh, movement-wise I've come up with. I think these could be cool done like this and done like this. And, you know, you provide insight like that. And then it oftentimes inspires the director to say, okay, well, you know what? On this location, there's also a back pool. Let's put this on the pool. And let's do, you know what I mean? So it's very much a collaborative um, process. Where each each one works together with the other and, and and helps to expand out the vision and and gives it synergy. Um, so I, I I would say specifically for pink, I didn't have to worry about location for choreography because I I had done a lot of the choreography before a lot of In the, the location. Hall. Yeah. Was Yeah, was completely locked in, but everything was able to be translated. And that's the other thing about just being, you know, an experienced choreographer is being able to be put in any situation and being able to adapt. You know, yes. so at this same choreography, you could have put me in the middle of the ocean and having smart dancers and being a smart choreographer. I would have known how to make adjustments and adapt to to go to translate it from the desert to the ocean. Whatever you need it to be, we can make it happen. That's what creatives do. That's what we're
0: here. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Watching America. We're at the tail end of a wonderful conversation with Jamel McWilliams, uh, brilliant, clever, generous, magnanimous, and uh, certainly without question, completely disciplined artist and creator. Uh, you know his work from working with Janelle Monae, as we've spoken about Alicia Keys, John Legend, Nick Jonas, Robin Thicke. Do, do you ever have moments when you're standing you know stage left or stage right or or even down center and you're directing you know the movements where you almost want to pinch yourself and you say "How did I get here how did I get here how did I get to the point that I know that tonight 20 million people will see what I've designed mm mm-hmm.
1: You know, I have those. I do. I do. I have those moments w- when the performance is happening. So, like, let's just take Lizzo's VMA performance from 2019. Um, this particular time, I knew that I needed to be out in the audience. This was such a spiritual performance for us. Mm-hmm. Um, for me and for us, there was a lot of trust and faith that I had to have because there were a lot of opportunities that I intentionally didn't seize to to push forth perfection in the performance, but, but rather push forth, um, making sure that these dancers who had never, most of them, 90% of them had never been on a big stage before, you know, they, Mm they've been outcast because they were thicker, um, full figure dancers and singers, you know, and not been given this opportunity for me. I needed to make sure that the, the premise behind how we directed them was that this was their cathartic, freeing moment Mm -hmm. that they could have personally. um, And I knew that that would translate to the people. So this was one of those performances where I really knew that I wanted to be out in the audience to feel what the people felt. And the minute that it locked in, I felt it happen. I felt it specifically when Lizzo started saying, um, we deserve to feel good. I deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel good. You know, and I could just feel the energy in the room. Just, just, go to this like place that it was literally you could you could it was palpable like you could literally touch it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um and in that moment in between me screaming and me jumping up and down (laughs) and tears welling up in my eyes I was like I cannot believe that this is my life I yes. cannot believe yes. that this is yes. really happening. But bigger than anything, it wasn't about oh, I'm at the VMAs and I have you know mm-hmm. uh, performances that 20 million people are going to see. It was more so oh my God, this is touching people. Yes. Oh my God, like people are being freed in this moment. Oh my God, someone at home is watching this and and they're and and they're feeling this moment.
0: The size of the audience is secondary in a very important way.
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely secondary for me. Even the size of the views, you know, I work with Magic. You know, they seen the song, Why You Want to Be So Rude, and so many other songs, and they have over a billion, you know, uh, impressions on, on their music videos that I've worked on with them. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's not even about the fact that, you know, my work has been seen by over a billion people. It's just about the fact of if it was three, four, five, people who feel like they were made better or who feel like their day was made or who feel like they have joy in their heart and love. This is my motivation. Again, I didn't get into this to be the top choreographer, the top director, the top artistic director. I never set myself on those sites. I set myself on the site of I just want to bring more love to the world. I just want to bring more joy and more happiness and more positivity. And it just happens to be through the vehicle of performing. And, and and yeah,
0: that's well, me. <laughs> uh, I would say indisputably you have achieved that very thing. Uh, and oh. that is so much of the reason why it's a delight to have you on Watching America. I'd like to conclude with a, a question. Uh, and we come full circle. It's like a bookend, if you will. We began speaking about your home life and your mother and your dad. Yeah. Uh, we carry our mothers and our dads with us through all that we do, mm-hmm. whether we choose to or not, we, we, we they're there. What did your mother do that permits you to be the Jamel McWilliams that you are today, a great success, and an artist and a person exuding love and kindness? Wow. You know, my mom...
1: Um, always encouraged me to be myself to just be myself not to try to be anything else but myself and she supported it um and i think that has made all the difference i've gone through years of of thinking i was searching for myself thinking i was like you know because naturally as you go through hormones and, and, and changes you, there are so many changes that are happening, but little did I know I was already the, the person that I needed to be, it was already set in, set in who, who I was, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would say my mom specifically, she gave me that at an early, early age. And she also always told me to think for myself. And, um, to this day, those are the qualities that keep me going. You know, um, I, I even when I have moments of 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 going astray, I can always come back to that by just being and knowing that if I just be me, then everything's gonna be okay.
0: Well Jamal, I have to tell you the next time I see your work on an awards program or in a video, I would be like your ten year old self. Transfixed, clapping oh. my hands and completely through the yes. moon. <laughs> Thank yes.
1: Thank you, Jamal McWilliams.
0: That. Thank you so much Thank for You, you um, gotta
1: be my ten year old self and you gotta jump out. You gotta I will. be possessed by some type of That just takes over the spirit of joy and love (laughs) and let it just take over you and perform, dance like no one's watching, sing like (laughs) no one can hear and let everyone hear.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And let all the people say, amen. (laughs) (laughs) Janelle <laughs> <laughs> McWilliams thank you so much for being part of Watching America you've brought joy to my heart and I know to all of our listeners thank you so very much awesome. and we look forward and, and uh, with great eagerness to see the next phases of what you're going to be doing and I know whatever it is it will be superb thank you sir
1: this has just been awesome an awesome dialogue and conversation I look forward to, I look forward to seeing where life takes us all. like a moth to a flame burned by the fire my love is
0: blind can't you see my desire that's the way love goes you've been listening to watching america our theme music is provided by razor light our recording engineer is todd washburn our producer paul bibo our senior producer is gina gamboni Our executive producer is Chuck Dowd, Heather Mazzoni is chief of content, and Bert Schmidt is our CEO. I am the series creator and host, Alan Campbell. Until next time, take care and blessings. Watching America is a production of
1: WHRV Public Media in Norfolk, Virginia.
0: That's the way love goes.